1975, Jaws was released. It is routinely regarded as one of the greatest films of all time and is generally credited with creating the concept of the summer blockbuster. In 1978, in an obvious cash grab, Jaws 2 was released, failing to have lightning strike a second time, but presenting a generally enjoyable film. In 1983, Jaws 3D was released, shamelessly attempting to take advantage of a gullible audience. By 1987, there was no pretense of quality as Lorraine Gary and Michael Caine cashed paychecks for sleepwalking through a pointless and incredulous sequel. In 2016, Paul Spatero created Is It Jaws, in which he and a group of rotating guest hosts discuss new and old movies and place them up against the Jaws scale, which ignores some elements of the actual films and sets forth a rating scale. Jaws, an all-time great classic film. Jaws 2, an enjoyable film with some flaws but worthy of multiple viewings. Jaws 3, a moderately enjoyable film. And finally, Jaws 4, a bad movie. Please join Paul and his guests as they ask the ever-important question, Is it Jaws? I'm going to tell you something. I'm Star-Lord. I formed the Guardians. Met a girl, fell in love. That girl died. But then she came back. Came back a total dick. Oh, please. He left out some important information, but that is the gist of it. My sacred mission is to create the perfect society. He didn't want to make things perfect. He just hated things the way they are. I want you all to know that I'm grateful to fight beside my friends. Incinerate them. searching for a family until we found each other are you ready for one last ride we'll all fly away together into the forever and beautiful sky that you were in love with? It sounds more like her. Her? That's ridiculous. Do not bring me into this. Don't even. <laughs> Knock it off! What? Just never noticed how black your eyes were. They were replaced by my father as a method of torture. He, he picked a pretty set. 
Hello, everybody, and welcome to Is It Yours? I'm Paul Spitaro, and I am joined today, as usual, by Mr. Sean Whalen. It is a pleasure to be here, sir. It is always a pleasure to have you here, metaphorically speaking. And we are joined today by Mr. Al Sedano, who hosts The Resurrections, the Adam Warlock and Thanos podcast. Hey, Al. Hey, Paul. Glad to be here and got on the first try. Nice. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, people who don't get what he's saying, we've already recorded this intro once and had to go back and start it over again. So, no, I didn't get it at once. Uh, But uh, if anybody's wondering why in particular Al is on this one, and Al is always welcome because Al's just a good guy. uh, But he has the expertise, so to speak, about Adam Warlock and Thanos. And Adam Warlock is a somewhat key character in this particular movie so i wanted to get his opinions on how that character is portrayed in the movie um now i saw this once in the movie theater uh my wife and i went to see a matinee and i enjoyed it uh and you know as as we've talked about in the past for me usually the first time is purely enjoyment i sit back and i let the movie take me for a ride and I like when we're going to critique a movie, I like to have seen it a second time so that I can do it with more of a critic's eye. Uh, I did not do that, and I'm not, I wouldn't be able to do it and get this episode out as timely as, as it is. Uh, so we're going with one viewing, and as I understand that you guys have one viewing each as well. Yes. Yeah, I only had a chance to see it once in the theater. I will be watching it again once it's on video, but for now... Just the one time. And like you said, I'm just I just watched it just to enjoy the movie. I saw it the one time in the theater with my wife. We had a great time. We actually did a marathon leading up to it because she had not seen the other two. So um, and was very interested. So because she had seen the Christmas special, the holiday special. So um, and really had fun with that. So she's like, I'd like to see the rest and then wanted to see the third. So it was nice because we got to go and enjoy all three together. I normally like you like to see them one more time before we do something like this. And I did not have a chance to, but uh, I'm anxious to uh, see this one again. And I'm anxious to talk about it today. Now, so, speak, go ahead. Al. Sorry. I was got a quick question because it's about the movie. Actually, how did, did she see uh, Endgame or Infinity War? Cause I mean, if you only saw the guardians movies, wouldn't that still be kind of a, because of Gamora, wouldn't that be a really confusing, like, wait, what happened? Why does she no longer know them? So she watched the Avengers movies with me okay. when they came out. Now, well, but here's the catch. That was a, quite a while ago. And she doesn't watch all the Marvel movies. So it's, it's where you're going with this. Really, it's a great question. So I did have to remind her kind of what happened with Gamora. Because if you've seen the Avengers movies and didn't have the context of the Guardians movies... It's the same problem you're talking about, where this Gomorrah bit happens, but you don't have the context of who are the Guardians, what is their relationship, that type of piece. So I had to plug those in. But to the credit of the film, I thought that was going to be a bigger deal than it was. And it really wasn't. It was like a couple sentences and she was good to go. Okay, good, because I I didn't know how it would go for somebody who really didn't either remember or watch it i know i'm invested in it so i know all that so it was fine for me but i don't wasn't i was curious how that would work for somebody who didn't so that's good to know yeah my uh you know my my take on this franchise in general was that marvel was taking or marvel cinematic branch was taking a real risk in just putting out you know a significant movie with these characters because they are not generally known to the public at large 
and I thought they really just, you know, hit it out of the ballpark with volume one. Uh, in volume two, I liked a lot, but I did not like it quite as much as volume one. And I did think in Infinity War and Endgame, when the characters were presented, they were presented in a way where if you didn't know who they were, you could kind of go along for the ride anyway. So I, I could see where somebody yeah. would do it. I'm I'm not sure that I would have thought that seeing the Christmas special would have been enough to make somebody really want to see more. Uh, you know, like that doesn't seem like the one I would say should be the introduction to the characters. But she, hey, if no. it worked for her, then good for her. What happened was she walked in when I was watching it and was like, what are you watching? And I, I said, I explained what it was. And she sat down and started watching it for a bit. And to my surprise, she sat through the whole thing and loved it and wanted to know more. So um, it, I, I'm with you. I, I, it wasn't meant to be an introduction to the series. And it it totally just gave, I think it gained enough interest. I think the Kevin Bacon bits and how funny it was and <laughs> just kind of the, drew her the into Drax it. Mantis antics. Yeah, I can see yep. that, you know. See, now, I thought, and we, we never did any kind of review on the Christmas special, but I kind of thought that they intentionally went campier and a little just kind of sillier in, in an attempt to almost, like, make fun of the Star Wars Christmas special. Uh, and I remember walking away from it, though, and saying I didn't care for the special effect on the Groot costume thinking like, you know, it seemed very obvious that it was a guy in a Groot costume as opposed to the previous ones where the CGI, you know, was pretty seamless. Now, going into this one, and we haven't given our initial impressions on this one, so I don't want to go too far, but going into this one, I expected a more uh, realistic CGI on Groot, and I didn't really get it, which surprised me. It was very similar to what we saw in the Christmas special. Yeah, I thought so too. I was really expecting a little more. And it did look like the special. And just speaking real quick, I remember I was reading something around the time the Christmas special came out. And apparently they were filming the Christmas special in between doing this one. And apparently one of the reasons, and possibly what you said too about Star Wars special, but one of the reasons for the way they did this special was because they said that some of the stuff, a lot of the stuff they were doing for the movie was so, was pretty heavy. And this was almost like the Christmas special was almost like a break for everybody working on it. You know? Right. Much more lighthearted, much more fun, because then we're going to go back to, you know, killing, you know, killing Rocket's friends and everything. So let's <laughs> yeah, not so lighthearted there. Yeah, let, let, let's have some let's have some fun with Christmas and Kevin Bacon, because tomorrow we're doing dark heavy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So initial impressions on this. I enjoyed watching this. Um, I I thought it was, you know, it, it, it's almost hard to say it was a fun movie to watch. But I did have fun watching it. But there were definitely some real moments in there to, you know, tug at the heartstrings and and to, you know, to, uh, to you know to get you somewhat upset as you're watching it. Uh, and you know, Bill Robinson, my good friend, uh, had seen it before me, and he says, "Well, if you go, just try and you know make sure you have a tolerance for watching small animals being tortured." <laughs> so it's like that was that was the only spoiler I had going in. Um, I think it was handled well overall, and we'll talk a little bit more as we go on. But uh, I did think uh, that the characterization of the high evolutionary was not as layered and sophisticated as I would have liked it to have been. Uh, I, In reading the comics, he's been portrayed different ways as the years have gone by, and I never did 
read the uh there was like a, a one of those events in the annuals with the like an evolutionary war or something along but, those yeah, lines i never did read that so i you know that's that's a, a a blank spot in my historical knowledge but the character before that as he was presented uh i felt was you know a pretty layered character and there was a lot of things that went on with him uh and i thought in this he was a little bit more two-dimensional uh i thought he was presented as a little bit more of a, a total id character uh instead of having various motivations it was just kind of like whatever suited him for the moment that's what he ran with uh now all that said i do think they presented him as sufficiently evil and hateable in this movie so there's something to be said for that uh but you know that was my my critique. I walked away. That that was my first impression. Was I would have liked to have seen the high evolutionary be just a little bit more sophisticated than he was, but otherwise I I did enjoy the movie. And I'd like to hear your first impressions on this. So the film the film itself it was it's interesting. These characters have if you ask me in the comics like are these characters that you're like diehard a diehard fan of in the comics? I enjoy these characters. Um, I'm, I'm talking about the Guardians themselves, but like I would say the closest attachment I have is Rocket Raccoon. I remember the original Rocket Raccoon miniseries when it came out. Um, I always loved the character. It was an interesting one, but they weren't like my go-to characters. And the film is just the opposite. From the first film straight on through, these have become like my friends that I'm hanging out with. And I think that is a unique niche that they fill is that and it's an important piece that they needed to protect if you're doing a trilogy and a holiday special with these characters you got to keep that feel of these are these familiar characters who you really like um humor is used really well in this film and in this series in general and not overused i'm a big fan of the old chaplin stuff i'm a fan of like harold lloyd um, I was thinking of the film like Life is Beautiful, where you take these like endearing characters and things happen to them. And you've got to have that right balance of the believable believability that these characters that have these deep humorous moments um, can then rise up in certain occasions. And I know those are weird movie connections, but these characters have that quality of you at some points in time, they almost get to the point where you're like, um, particularly Drax, where Drax will be so silly that you're, you know, you're wondering like, what if his effectiveness is going to be? Then you put him in a dangerous situation and you see him step up and you'll see these moments of him having great heroism. And it's something that's been a paramount part of this series. And walking into this one, I was wondering like, can they deliver again on the third? And I felt like they did. And it, it was, it's, it's, so it's an interesting, this is going to be an interesting film to talk about. Yeah, um, I agree on that a lot because actually I was thinking as you're talking and like a lot of those, like that Drax thing specifically is actually a part, one of the plot points of the movie with Nebula. So they actually take that in as part of the movie itself where she's, where she's complaining about him halfway through. It's like, you're just ridiculous. Why are you here? What is the point of you? And he gets, you know, whether you agree or not, he gets, you know, there's a, she sees the the point of him by the end of the movie. Mm -hmm. yeah. And all, you know, but I over, overall enjoyed it. And I can see what you're saying, Paul, about the high evolutionary. And yes, a lot of times in the comics, he is more nuanced, but it looks like for a lot of them, like 
they took specific versions of these characters, like the High Evolutionary. That is the Warlock run from the early 70s version, where literally in every issue of that book, he asked Warlock, can I just destroy this planet now? Can I just destroy it? Can I just kill it all? Can I just kill them, please? Can I just kill everyone there? That's but literally in, in, in this movie, he would never issue. ask. He well, would never well, ask in this movie. Well, and that, and Warlock, that he actually asked. He had enough respect for Warlock to ask in the comic. Well, yeah, but that's that, That's different. And that's also because that Warlock is the, this Warlock that they have in here is the him version. It's not Warlock. You know, right. he doesn't become Warlock until really the end. You know, like in the, in the post credit scene, you could say he's actually Warlock. But that's what I'm yeah. saying. Like, that's the version they were using the Revolutionary. The one who just wants to go, this didn't work the way I wanted to, blow it all up. And that's kind of what I felt like I was watching. Like, that's the version they went with. Whether See, this, you like it or not. This version didn't have story. enough respect for anyone to ask. No. You know, the, this one, you don't, you don't see this one developing enough respect to ask. This one, to me, like I said, is pure True. aid. Whatever, whatever mo- motivates him at the moment, that's what he's going with, and that's it. End of story. Now, there- I did see an interesting comment. Uh, I forget the actor's name that played uh, Kang in the, uh, uh, you know, in, in, uh, well, twice now. In, 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 Jonathan in Majors? Yes. Uh, I understand he's got some sort of legal problems or something. I don't. I don't even know the the extent of them, and nor do I really care. Uh, but I saw an interesting thing saying that maybe if the, the if the Marvel powers that be want, they could say that the High Evolutionary is a Kang variant, and have him take over the role going forward. And that did not seem like a terrible idea to me. That that was not a. You know, not problematic if they did that, because I could easily see the story unfolding that he was a Kang variant. Uh, so I thought that was a kind of a cool idea. Uh, but anyway, uh, I agree with your thought that this is the him, Adam Warlock. Uh, you know, if, if anybody's listening to this and isn't really familiar with the uh, the growth of that character, he he was not uh, not created by the High Evolutionary. He was created by uh, the Hive, I think it was, uh, and you know some scientists created him to be the perfect being, and he came out and you know he was somewhat infantile when he came out, uh, and over various resurrections, he has come out in different ways so so there is definitely a lot of leeway on how you present him i do present i do prefer what he eventually became over the earlier version but i'm hoping we get a chance to see that as it goes on and that would be that's why i liked the fact that he was him because i'd rather have them do him in this movie where it's not his movie and there's like five other main characters whose story needs to be serviced and now we you know Potentially, there's a chance to do something more with him as Adam Warlock later on, where you can actually devote more time to Adam Warlock and not right. just have him be a side. Yeah. I'd like to see that, actually. I think the way that they develop like this initial intro to him, uh, I think there's a lot of, especially with the fact that they gave him kind of this movie arc, uh, I think they've set up. Done a really nice job of setting that up. I wouldn't mind seeing like a Disney Plus mini with him, or you know, some him appear in another movie to further his story. And I hope we. I'm I'm assuming we're going to get that um, just based on how the Marvel Cinematic Universe seems to work. Um, but I would be happy to, you know, see further development of his story. And that's oh, that's a success. Yeah, I agree, and I I. I... 
was thinking exactly what you said that I wouldn't mind seeing a you know a short series of you know whatever six episodes where you actually develop his character and I think I would like it if they actually stayed a little bit true to the comics and showed him uh, effectively being killed and resurrected over the course of that series maybe sure. twice over the course and yeah. that each time he's resurrected and comes out of the cocoon his personality is a little bit different and plus the way the movie ended now, if they wanted to even go more comic accurate and have Gamora involved in it, it's a little easier because she's not even, you don't have to shoehorn or find a reason why she's not with the Guardians. She's not with them anymore anyway. Right. right? That's so true. It makes things easier story-wise if they wanted to do that. Well, the, the, the you know, uh, Gamora, as she's shown here, felt more true to the comics than previously. Uh, previously, she didn't feel to me like the most dangerous woman in the universe, which is what Gamora is billed as in the comics. Uh, in this, she she kind of had more of that feel. Now, I don't know that she would be able to go toe-to-toe with the Marvel Cinematic Captain Marvel, uh, but just the same. I, I always liked that title, and I, I didn't think the title was meant to be taken totally literally uh, so much as just that she's a badass and I think in this, she's shown to be more of a badass than she was when you soften her up to give her a love story. No, true. And actually, I've said before, I mean, it's not 100% exact, you know, match for match. But I said a lot of times before, previously these movies, the Gamora in the movies is is a little closer to the original uh, Bronze Age Gamora. And mm. Nebula is closer to the uh, Gamora in the current comics. Because she mm. is a lot more like Nebula, his character is. You know, much more hard edge, much more has the way like you can tell like she's walking like Nebula the way Karen Gillan walks as Nebula trying to have a bit of extra sensuality to it. You can see like that's the way the Gamora is in the comics more. So it feels like that's the you know, and now Gamora currently is a little bit closer to that character. Now I thought Gunn did a really nice job of and I think he's done it in all three movies, of juggling the characters so they all have their moment. Yeah. Uh you know. He, I, I thought it was going to actually fail in that regard because, you know, Rocket is laying in critical care uh, for a great deal in the movie. And I thought, you know, he's I think for people who are not familiar with these characters beforehand, either he or Groot are like everybody's favorite. And to have him sidelined for so much of the movie, I thought that could be a fail. But once they managed to heal him uh, and he he joins in the action, he has enough stuff going on that isn't flashbacks that it's, you know, it's satisfying by the end. And I thought every character, like I said, had their moment as it went along. Uh, my biggest disappointment that we didn't get a little bit more of is the original Guardians who are Ravagers in this. But uh, I, I would have liked to have seen just a little bit more of them. Oh, yeah, the, the Stallone and Michael Rosenbaum played characters. Yeah, no, I yeah, have to say, I think plane. Stallone is absolutely miscast as Starhawk. But other yeah. than that, I do like being able to see those characters. Yeah, no, that's just a yeah, that's just a character name only. I mean, that's not Starhawk at all. But I mean, at least the others, you know, you can just look at them and go, yeah, that's Martin X, you know. And Charlie 27. Yeah, I mean, the one I think I don't know if they were back in this one, but the one who played Alita in the second movie. Also, it's just Alita name only. She doesn't even look like her at all. No, no. And and I also assume she's not really connected with Starhawk. 
Yeah, no clue. Yeah, but at least some of the other ones, like the the one that was introduced in the Jim Valentino series, the uh, alien magician, that looked mm-hmm. just like it. Yeah. And I never expect to see that character at all, even. So the fact that he even has a cameo is amazing to me. Oh, it it really does amaze me how much the cinematic universe has has incorporated a lot of you know minor characters, even if they're just for you know for a cameo like that. Uh, but I think it's very cool to to just see it realized. And then when you you factor in, it probably takes a great deal of probably more computer work than anything else. But just to create that character for several seconds on the screen, you could easily see where they might say, well, let's save a little bit on our budget and not put this character in. Uh, but, I, you know, I have to appreciate that it's there. One of the things you mentioned, the balance of uh, the story of the characters and... Um, it's hard to do that when you've got a cast like this because each of these characters has become important to people. Yes, you could, you could argue that, um, and I agree with you that Rocket and Groot kind of are the ones that are the endearing ones with fans. Um, but I think they did a really good job with Gamora, especially with everything that's happened to her, not just in this film series, but in the Avengers films. Um, there's There's been a lot that's that's happened with her. Her using her kind of and her interactions with each of the cast members and each of the characters as a way to forward their stories and her kind of I don't want to say reconnecting with them, but connecting with them in a new way was something that I thought was a really good progression tool in this because i i loved her relationship with nebula in this i loved what they were doing with her and rocket um the stuff they did with her and groot um i thought was really brilliant and it, it i wanted different things from her ending i admit i was rooting for you know all of a sudden magically her memory would come back or something like that i appreciated that they didn't that they didn't do what i thought i wanted and that was something that I thought was some bold choices that they made in this. There were things that if you had asked me walking into the film what I want out of this film, they didn't take a lot of those paths. And I think it was a better film for it. I totally yeah. agree that I was sitting there watching this and thinking, you know, they 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 play with your emotions and then you want her to go back to, you know, to, to loving Peter and yep. being part of everything. But that's not the best story. That's right. just the one that satisfies your emotion. Uh, and in the grand scheme of things, I think they're better off having more more depth to it all than just always going back to the exact status quo. So I agree with you totally. Exactly. And they also didn't go with the way you thought they were going to, or the way, the way not thought, but the way you assume is the simplest movie way, whereas you see the somewhat attraction between Nebula and Peter, and you're like, oh, that's what they're going to end up with. And they don't. You know, they again. You don't. They don't take the easy way. They didn't take the easy way out in that one, which that would have been one of the other easy way outs. It just ended like that and go. Oh, see, we have a romantic ending. Everyone's happy, and it's like, no, yeah. no, we're making them deal with themselves. We're making Peter, you know, deal with his emotions and actually go home. I thought. I thought they also uh, did a good job in that. Or and I by they I mean James Gunn because I'm pretty sure you know that that he's the driving force behind all of this. Uh, but I think he did a good job of closing out the series, giving you a satisfying ending to, you know, what you could view as a trilogy uh, without having to to take the cheap way out of, OK, we're going to kill off these characters. 
you know, the, the killing off the characters is going to get emotional. It's going to get your audience, you know, really excited or, or depressed or whatever you want to call it. But it's going to give you, you know, true closure. But then it really just cuts it because of the true closure. It cuts off your opportunities to go back and explore these people. So what he did was, I think he gave himself an ending to the story so that he doesn't need to come back. And it's, it's a closure enough for that. But he left the Marvel Cinematic Universe with their characters if they want to use them. And we did get the card at the end where Starhawk will be back. Or excuse no, me, Star-Lord will be back. I'm yeah. Sorry. Yeah. And I'm curious how that's going to work out, what they're doing. Is that, is that a movie or a TV show? But either way. But yeah, no, I agree. Because all the characters have a good ending. And for most of them, it involves leaving the team, except Rocket. But his ending is actually leading the team. So well, we have his an ending is goal. leading the team. Yeah, so we actually have, and, and also accepting the fact that he is a raccoon. <laughs> Which he was not happy with in the first two movies. What's no. really interesting about this is with each of these characters who I think in their own have developed, you know, such a strong identity that I'd, I'd love to see any one of them again anywhere. Um, I appreciated the fact that they were, like, there wasn't the cheap death, the... Um, you know, like we need to kill like three characters in order to make this a better story, because that always seems to be a thing when you do a trilogy like this, too. You've got to have that. Like, I really was thinking during the film, we're losing somebody. Especially since some of them are not coming back, as far as we know. Right. Yeah. Right. So, but, but, you know, leave 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 them a chance to recast the character then, you know, or, <laughs> don't don't kill everybody or, or, off or just leave us with the imagination of what their life is going to you know going to be you know i i i think it's something that i expect them now to kill a bunch of people in a film when they get to the end of the trilogy and i appreciated the choice of making me think they were going to go there because i was convinced i'm like we're who is it going to be and how, how much how upset am i going to be it hit me emotionally it was it was a very emotional ride but i was at the end, I was very emotional, not because they did that, because they didn't and how they didn't. Um, and I, I think that's something that was really refreshing about this one was the fact that 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 seems to be kind of your go to to pull at the heartstrings. And I like that they didn't do it. You see, now I, I absolutely loved. And I, I I like to join them together, Infinity War and Endgame. Mm -hmm. uh, but I, I did really hate the fact that they resulted in okay the black widow is off the table and iron man is off the table and theoretically captain america is off the table now captain america i think they they can fiddle with that and bring him back relatively easily if they decide to recast it uh but you know iron man I, i'm not sure how, you know i mean you, the comic books always have a way of resurrecting uh and i guess that's our theme for the day uh characters when they want even even when you do see the body at the end but it usually usually feels cheap in the comics when they do it and i don't want it to feel cheap in the movies if they do it so i'm i'm not happy that tony stark is no longer part of the universe that that doesn't make me happy uh and i wasn't happy as much as i love chadwick boseman's portrayal of black panther i was not happy that they decided to kill off the character off screen uh, because they don't want to recast it. I would rather they just kind of let time go by and eventually recast it. Uh, and that that's not any disrespect to him or to Robert Downey Jr. and his portrayal for that matter. But I just feel like these characters are too 
important to me to just let them go away. And I want to see more of them, even if it has to be with a different actor playing the part. So I'm glad they didn't do that here. Well, it was also nice because we're showing they're showing that we don't have to always have the ending be just death. Yep. Sometimes the death can work, whether you agree or not. But I mean, it can work, but they don't have to have their character's ending be just death. It's not the only option open to them. You know, they can think of other things. And I like that. It was one of the things that that bothered me in some older superhero movies, uh, specifically like the Batman franchise that, you know, you got to kill them, kill off the Joker at the end of the first one. You got to kill off the Penguin at the end of the second one. You know, it, it's I, you know, I'm used to comic books where, you know, the, the villains come back over and over again. I'm also used to the really old comic books where they seemingly die at the end of every <laughs> battle, but somehow come back later, uh, often with no explanation as to how they're still alive. Uh, but it's, I got you know, better. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but, you know, I, I, I feel like right now I feel like it's a cheap way out to just kill off the character at the end. It also becomes too formula. Um, cause what ends up happening with that is, and, and that's where, you know, and I, I'm not a big believer, but I want to be, I'm going to say, mention superhero fatigue, but I, I'm not a big believer in that. I don't think that's as much of a thing as it's, it's set out there, but I think what ends up happening is when you start getting formula with movies in general. So it takes this superhero movies out of the cons conversation when people start to expect certain things and it starts to become, I've seen a better version of this film already. Um, cause you start comparing that way instead of how can we tell a unique story? How can we pull at the heartstrings in a different way? And that was something I thought was important that they did here. Um, and I think it's important as they continue going forward, because we've been fortunate now that we've gotten a lot of superhero movies and we've gotten a lot of Marvel cinematic universe movies. So as this is continuing in these waves, uh, it's really important for them to take a look at how do we keep moving story forward and do new and fresh things to your point, Paul, are there certain characters that we do need to recast and bring them back, you know, because of the fact that it, just to keep the story fresh and to keep things exciting, you know, Hey, we need an iron man or we need, you know, and I think there's, there's going to be some opportunity. There's going to come a point where they're going to have to do that. Um, or at least I hope that they see it that way. Um, just because there's some heavy hitters that I would like to see back again. I'm loving the output right now. So that's not a criticism on the output, but there comes a point in time where you're going to need that. It's why does it happen in comics? Why do you get like they kill off a character and then they eventually bring them back? It's because of the fact that those are the characters that are your draw and your hook. And there's a reality of there was that wave of the Marvel Cinematic Universe that ended with Endgame, you know, and that was like the Camelot, the, the golden age of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And that's not knocking the movies that there are now, but there's going to come a point in time where to draw people back to it, because that point's going to happen. You're going to need to have that like we're now now you're going to have an Iron Man movie or now you're going to have Captain America or now you're going to and those and I don't know which character it's going to be, but it seems logical that your flagship character that kicked it off, you got to bring back at some point. Right. Makes and, sense to me. And but I think 
I think films like that's where that's where things get interesting. How do you do it in the cinema universe? What are you going to do that's different? That's going to make people go. That was a cool way to bring that character back. And this is the story that I want to see that character. There's rumors that pop up all the time about Downey Jr. doing a, the character again in some capacity. I'd be and, interested in seeing how they would go about it. And, you know, they, they've sold my ticket already if they do it. But, you know, we'll yeah. see if they get to that. I, I I do think, like I said, I, I could see where it's more easy to work around what you did with Captain America and bring yeah. him back. Uh, with, you know, if you get a new actor, if, if uh, Chris Evans, do, you know, doesn't want to come back or for whatever reason, uh, you, you know, you or he's priced out of it and you need to go cheaper, whatever. Uh, <laughs> if, if you if you feel like you need to recast that role, I could see where you can do some sort of story point that brings him back to, you know, his youthful persona. Uh, well, you know, they already have an easy way to bring almost anyone back if they want to. Yeah, because they've already, they've already and we not only multiverse, but also time travel. Yeah. Uh, you but know, the same as the multiverse, they bring in anybody and then there's a reason why they're either look different or he's or Robert Downey Jr.'s back. Because that one didn't die, or that one just happens to look different. And for all for all we know, uh, you know, after we get through all of the, uh, you know, the multiverse storylines, which I assume are going to end with a very large group uh, film like we did in Endgame and Infinity War, uh, you know, maybe maybe that ends with Iron Man coming back, or Black Panther coming back, or Captain America coming back. I don't know. Uh, and I and I don't want to know, quite frankly. The example I use use for not wanting to know all the time is how much more I would have enjoyed Thor Ragnarok if I had not seen in the coming attractions that the Hulk was going to be in it. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, I can see that. Yeah, and plus, and you know, it's more fun if we can't just predict. I mean, that kind of goes what you were saying, Sean, about fatigue. It's yeah, as you were saying, it made me realize. Yeah, it's superhero fatigue when you're seeing it. It's not so much that oh, there's another movie. It's that oh, like I said, I've seen this movie already three times, and the first two times was better, and the last two times is not as been as good because it's the same movie made over and over again. So yeah, don't kill the characters every single time because we're gonna expect that. And once we start knowing, if I can go to the movies and then go, okay, this is gonna happen. Okay, now this is gonna happen. Then why do I bother going? You know, I see, want to now, see something a little different. I think what you're saying is the critique we get a lot. People who are kind of down on the movies now are saying, yeah, you know, Marvel has a formula now for their movies that they just keep following over and over again. And, you know, that it's it's boring to them now because it doesn't feel like there's anything new. Uh, as a reader of the comics, I am still very much enjoying just seeing the universe expand and, and the stories uh you know, characters that I that I've enjoyed so much seeing them on the screen and seeing how they get developed. Uh, that's not to say that the universe is infallible. Uh, I am on record of saying I did not enjoy the Eternals. I thought it it broke one of the cardinal rules because I thought it was boring. Uh, and I, I may eventually try to give that a rewatch to see if somehow I can get more enjoyment out of it than I have. Uh, I am more forgiving with my superhero movies i will try to to give them another chance usually i i you know i also didn't like batman v superman and i gave that a second viewing to try it out i still didn't enjoy it unfortunately uh but i did try uh so you know who knows i might try again yeah. with the eternals at some point but i'll just say it's like when i walked into this movie i really expect i kind of thought i was going to know what happened that they were most of them were going to die 
yeah. and the fact that they did something different you know was something for me it's like oh good this is not what i expected this is not what i thought was going to happen you know i was not able to plot out the movie as i'm watching it beforehand and it's really critical in this phase to to keep that they need to keep that in mind um when you're when you're doing a film and it's okay to make it have people predicting what's going to happen in the lead up because that builds anticipation sure but when you know that okay i may be predicting this and they're they're willing to go in a completely different direction that's going to keep people excited and going and this film really i think that was the biggest piece walking out of this one that i liked was the surprise factor of it so i i liked that this movie gave us some insight into multiple characters it developed multiple characters uh beyond the level where we had them already i uh, i you know in particular i'm just you know obviously rocket is easy to say because they gave you an origin for him oh, which definitely. we never had uh but i i thought we saw more personality and kind of the workings of her mind uh of nebula and of mantis mm-hmm. uh i yes. i thought both of them would develop to an extent and and mantis in particular i thought you know had kind of been a two-dimensional character coming into this and i thought we you know we had enough screen time for a here where where you started to, to understand her better and she became less of just the character to give you a punchline to a joke uh i i really thought it was a, a really good scene when the two of them are arguing about drax and you get a little bit of development from him because you see his feelings get very hurt by what they're saying and then mantis just goes over and says forget and then he's back to where he was <laughs> but you do get some insight into his personality and drax is another in- interesting character if you look at the comic book chronology of him because he was very very different when he was introduced than he was you know when abnett and landing got a hold of him and changed his character or actually even if you go to the infinity uh oh yeah he's the hulk yeah, he basically turned into the Hulk and then, you know, eventually he turned into Drax the way he is now. Uh, so there, there was a, there's been a lot of development in the character and they did kind of go with the modern version right from the start. Uh, but I really appreciate that, you know, they, they're, they're not making him just the butt of jokes. You, you give him a little personality and you give him some background. Uh, and, and I think that really, you know, seeing him with the children also was a big thing in this movie. That's hard to do, too, because they've used him for a lot of great humor bits. And it's really hard to give that balance of a character where you feel like there's more to him than that. And I thought this film really did a great job of that with him. Because um, I think I, it is hard when you've you've added... And I think as the film series has gone on, they've done some silly bits with him, which I enjoy, by the way. I don't. I'm, that's not a criticism. I love humor. And part of my the endearing part of this film series for me is the balance of humor along with high action and great fights and, you know, everything that I love in comics. Um, But I I thought his arc in particular is something that sometimes when you go down that rabbit hole with a character, it's hard to give them the moments that they did in this film. And you're right, that sequence with the kids where you felt like it, it, it not only like closed off his arc in a satisfying way, but also did some bits for Mantis because I really enjoyed their relationship in this and how it continued to evolve. I thought it showed that like she had an impact on helping him heal 
you know, to the point where I felt like, wow, this guy had been through a lot in his life. He's now at this point where he's found who he is, who he should be, and found some form of peace. And she's kind of going off because he's at that point. He's got it now. He's in that. She's ready to go off and kind of do her own thing because of it. She had an impact on him, which I thought was so cool. Yeah, definitely. No, yeah. No, and I, I like that. I mean, they brought him back. I mean, basically, his 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 story was going full circle. He went back to being what he was before the first movie even happened. Yep. He's a dad. Right, exactly. And, you know, the character we haven't talked about the development of is probably the most obvious one, and that might be why we just kind of walked right by it. But Star-Lord, uh, you know, we got a lot of development with him, too, not only the relationship with Gamora, but then the whole thing with his grandfather at the end. Uh, you know, when he when he's ready to sacrifice himself towards the end and you think he's going to be the character that gets killed in the movie. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of stuff that goes on with him. And it's interesting because I would have anticipated that he was expected to carry the movie. And he really wasn't. He, you know, he he was part of the ensemble. He was a very big part of the ensemble, but he was a part of the ensemble. He never kind of cost anybody else their moment in the sun, which, you know, I appreciate, again, Gunn's ability to, juggle those balls and keep them all in the air the way he did. Uh, but, you know, we did get a lot of Peter Quill in this, and we did get a lot of not just action sequences. I was a little concerned that we might just get, you know, that that opening of, of volume one where he's, you know, Indiana Jones, uh, and, and we just get that, you know, and, and we don't get any real development at all. But we, you know, we did. Uh, and it's interesting, you know, leaving him off on Earth at his grandfather's house and where are they going to go with that now? You know, and would, again, like like we mentioned earlier, you know, Star-Lord will return. Where are we going to go? I'm very, very curious to see it. So yeah. I, I love that this movie gave us closure, lets us feel like we got a complete story, but still has us wanting more. Yeah, and that goes back to what, for Star-Lord's story, what we said about him not getting back with Gamora or even getting involved with Nebula, because that would have been... That would not have worked. That would have worked against his growth because that would basically just give him another reason to stay in space and hide from the pain of losing his mother, and you know leaving Earth. He had no reason. To, you know he didn't have this anchor to keep him there, so he he actually was able to go to the point that he could go back and say goodbye. You know whether he's going to stay there for a while or just visiting his grandfather and leaving, he at least was able to resolve with his past. And I think getting involved in a relationship again would have more likely just kept him back running away in space still. Mm. Mm-hmm. I could see that. So I, I don't think we could get through a Guardians movie without talking about the soundtrack a little bit. Uh, that was an area for me personally where this one fell a little short in comparison to the other two. Uh, more or less, it was just the choices of songs that didn't tickle my funny bone the way the first two did. And that may just be the songs in the first two had more nostalgia for me. I knew them better. Uh, the songs in this one I was not as familiar with. I mean, I knew most of them, but I was not as big a fan of some of these songs. So it didn't have the same impact on me as the first two did. But I am ready to write that off as it's just a matter of these weren't songs that, you know, personally had, uh, you know, been in my uh, repertoire for years, whereas uh, a lot of the ones in the first two movies I was very, very familiar with. I felt like the song that stood out the most for me, and this is, I mean, 
dog days are over. I mean, that was, you know, the Florence yes. and the Machine um, song, which was, t I think, terrific. Um, I know I've seen a lot of memes. I follow a lot of the Disneyland and Disney World stuff. And, um, you know, for the ride, there's like petitions out there to get that song added to the ride <laughs> because of it. And I think there's there's a good reason for that because of the emotion of that particular sequence. Um, so I think that was for for me and I, many others, obviously, that's the standout song from this film. Whereas kind of to your point, Paul, I, I liked the soundtrack in this one. Um, I don't really it's not like something where I'm like, wow, it's a bad soundtrack. But I didn't have that same multiple songs vibe that I did in the first two movies where it was like, I really want to listen to the complete soundtrack all the way through. Um, but that's trying to compare the soundtrack. Those first two soundtracks were so good. <laughs> that's a hard one to com compete with. It also helps that those first, I mean, this first, especially the first one, those soundtracks are older. So therefore yeah. we've all heard those songs for the most part, many times. You know, and as I've mentioned get, a million times, I am older. Yeah, that too. Well, I wasn't going to say anything, but. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, so the newer it is, the more likely you might not have either heard it or just at least not have heard it as much. You know, there's less chance of having an emotional, you know, less emotional attachment to more people because it hasn't been around as long. Right. You know, I mean, no, but yeah, I, I would say for that one, like, and I'm, I'm having trouble even remembering which ones are in this movie beyond Dog Days Are Over and No Sleep Till Brooklyn. Right, right. You know, I'll, I'll probably remember more as I watch the movie again and again, because obviously I've seen the first two movies more times than this one. Sure. But it was a lot easier to remember what songs were in that first movie, because, you know, I've heard those songs, a lot of those, several of the songs, at least plenty of times. You know, I did think it was nice to have the callback to come and get your love, though, at the end. Yes. yes. Oh, so, see, I uh, about that. <laughs> I could say I did not really take note of the score. I noted the soundtrack, but not the score. Uh, so I can't even say I thought it was good. I thought it was bad. I thought it was indifferent. I didn't really take note of it. And I don't know if either of you did. No, not as much. Uh, again, that's something I usually pay attention to the more I watch the movie. And like like you say, multiple viewings, you're able to you know absorb those other things. When you're first watching it, you're just watching what's happening. I would say in both cases, what my feeling was, it was a very atmospheric movie. I liked... I would say I didn't note the soundtracks for the same reasons you're both saying, but um, I feel like there's certain movies where I walk out and I've immediately got to engage with the soundtrack. I didn't have that with this, um, but that's also not a knock on the film. I thought that the film was very atmospheric. Um, I didn't, I wasn't walking out going either. Like I would never touch that soundtrack with a 10 foot pole. It just <laughs> wasn't something where I was like afterwards, like I've got to have this now, um, right. which, which that's a short, that's a shorter list of films that, um, that, and, but certainly I, I did feel the first one, especially I walked out afterwards and wanted to hear the soundtrack again, right away. And um, that's, that's a distinction. But with how that tape was, boy, that first film, it really felt like you were listening to his tape with him. <laughs> and that, that was, kind of, it was such a cool vibe for the first movie with how the tape played into the story that um, I think there's that distinction. You know, one piece we didn't, we, we, we kind of, we talked, kind of talked about, but it was something that like stuck out for me. And I, I feel I've got to say something about, cause I really liked this. Um, I liked in rockets arc in particular, at least this is what emotionally stuck to me that idea of why rocket pushes people away but how much he really cares 
because mm. of, because of the loss that he was experiencing with you know uh, his fellow uh, creations, for lack of a better thing, is the property of the higher evolutionary, shall we say? You know that they should there should they should be so lucky that they exist thanks to the higher evolutionary. But I really felt like you got a real understanding as far as this guy clearly cares. Why hasn't he come around? And I thought this film really showed like what his loss was like. And it, it showed that the times where we've seen him save the day is really who he is. But that outward shell is almost like his protective barrier from what he's experienced. And that I thought was just a really cool aspect of his story um, even though we got a lot more of him through flashback that way, um, I thought I thought that was a neat kind of concluding arc with him. Like I felt like I under I felt like I'll watch one and two differently now because I've seen three and I know right. him in a different level. And I think that's always cool when your trilogies end and you feel like, wow, this added a whole other layer to this character. Absolutely. I totally agree with you. Yeah. You know, Two other points that I had, uh, one minor one is we even got a story arc for Craglin, which I thought that was cool. <laughs> yes. So we got that. And the, the whole bad dog thing was kind of fun. Yes. Uh, so that, that's a minor point. It, it, and I thought as I was watching it, when they showed that uh, the other high evolutionary creations were killed, uh, I, I thought, boy, that's a bad choice. I really, you know, it really this is going to leave a bad taste in a lot of people's mouths when they watch this movie. And Gunn had the, the good sense to throw in that extra scene where you basically see that they're in heaven. And then it's like, okay, it's all right. <laughs> you know, I, I thought, I thought that was a very wise choice. If you were going to kill them off, which I think he almost had to do to, to give you that closure that, yeah, they, but then, you know, they, they've been able to, to be happy since then. And that also is the, helps give Rocket what he's doing, why he's doing what he's doing now. It's, which is kind of funny when he starts off with the, you know, I'm just going to kill everyone in front of me, and that's fine. Who cares? To, I'm we're going to save. Let's save everybody. Yeah. You know, including the fact that the High Evolutionary is even saved in the movie. You know, they carry him out. He does not die. Right. It's like no, we we're saving everybody. And oh, yeah, that's and a I, difference I guess... from the beginning. Another point is, and I can't even call it a cameo because it's not, but the appearance of Nathan Fillion in the movie was cool. Yes. yes. And he's another James Gunn, uh, you know, part of his crew. So, and we we also managed to get a, a Yandu quick appearance too, which I enjoyed that. Uh, and I guess that's pretty much what I have to say for today. And just if you guys have anything else to add before we wrap this up. I don't. I, I really enjoyed talking about this one. Al, do you got anything? Uh, not really much. I mean, I enjoyed the movie a lot. I really do want to... I did watch one and two before this one, but I kind of do want to watch it again with also re-watching the two Avengers movies and the uh, holiday special to get the whole effect again and see how I feel about it once it comes back out, on you know, available on Disney+. Plus. But um, I, I'm looking forward to seeing what we can do with some of those characters on their own. I mean, yeah. are some, who, who's come, are we going to get more Warlock? Because I would love to see the evolution of him. You know, are we going to get more Mantis? I mean, hell, are we going to... I think she really made herself that? a viable character who now you might want to see more of, which I don't think she was going into this movie. And just going by, also going by some stuff I've been reading recently, I would not mind if, you know, since we're getting Fantastic Four, if we get Surfer, the Silver Surfer 
because I'm sure that's a character they want to do sometime soon. I would not mind seeing her in that series, in one of those movies at least. Because, I mean, those characters have a connection. So, that'd be, you know, so yeah, I want to see what they're doing in the future of these characters. I would have liked to have seen the Silver Surfer as a uh, an end credit teaser. I think yeah. that, would been, that would have been a cool way to just throw him in there. But I don't think, I don't think they're planning on having him in the first Fantastic Four movie. So it probably would be premature to do it at this time. That would be the soonest I would expect to see him as the end credits of that movie. Yeah, that would work. That would be the soonest. But I did like the end credit scene where we see who are in the Guardians now, what's going on with them. Agreed. That the team's still there, which is actually something they didn't do in the other Avengers movies. Like, even in Endgame, like, yeah, they all came back, but, like, you don't really get an idea that there's an Avengers team afterwards. Here, we know the Guardians are still out there. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. True. So all said and done, how do we rank this one, guys? I'll go. This is, it, it, and I will say it's got dependencies. Um, this is a Jaws for me, but where it's a Jaws for me is it, not on its own. It's like it's one, two, and three, um, both the Avengers movies and the holiday special. I know that's lumping a lot together, but um, I feel like this was a satisfying culmination of those larger stories. Um, I, I don't know that I would, f- I, f- I feel probably in isolation. I would make it a Jaws 2, which isn't a knock. It's a really solid movie. But I feel like the storytelling here really needed, and rightfully so, um, needed the other pieces parts for me to be this satisfying conclusion to a great story. And I I mean that uh, totally complimentary. It's definitely a Jaws for me. And that's it's hard to end off a trilogy feeling that way. Because, you know, at this point in time, you've got, a standard that was set by two other movies that you've got to wrap it up in a satisfying fashion. And not every trilogy is able to do this um, to this level. I thought this did a really great job of wrapping it up. Yeah, I would say I'm going to have to depend on when I see for a few, you know, watching a few more times and see how I feel, but it's somewhere between Jaws and Jaws 2 on its own. But I like what you said. Yeah. I putting it to the truth, the whole guardians set together would be a Jaws for me. Because even if you're taking out the Avengers movies, as a trilogy, this actually does have more or less a beginning and middle and end for the characters. You yep. can't really say about the other ones. Iron Man trilogy and the Cap trilogy, while a lot of people might say the Cap's the best, their favorites, the Cap doesn't really end, you know, there's no real ending if you just watch the three Cap movies. You know, it ends with him running into, you know, hiding. Mm. You know, it's not really an ending. Guardians gives you, even if you had to have to watch those two Avengers in the middle, the Guardians movies themselves... There's a beginning in the first one and an ending in this one. So it is my favorite, I guess you could say, mini franchise in the Marvel franchise. That's an interesting way to look at it. Because I can actually get a full story out of it. I cannot disagree with that, but it's it's an interesting way to look at it. Uh, I think, I don't think we ever did Guardians, the first one, on this show. I think I would rate that as a Jaws. In fact, I know I would rate it as a Jaws. We did Guardians 2, and I'm pretty sure I said it was right, you know, uh, Jaws 2 right, you know, firmly in there. I'm ranking this one lower than Guardians, but higher than Guardians Volume 2. So I'm putting this as a high Jaws 2. Um, I don't think it's quite, you know, the perfect movie that would make it a Jaws, but I understand Sean's distinction of putting them all together as a trilogy and kind of looking at it as a whole. 
Um, I cheated. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, I, I, I copied get that. And, and <laughs> I'm, I'm not cheating. You know, I, I, I would I would never say even if I disagreed, I would never say you're wrong, and I don't even disagree really. Uh, I, you know, I, I always kind of welcome people who I disagree with. Uh, you got to disagree with me more, Sean. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, yeah, I, I think this is this is a a very good Jaws too, and it's 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 good to see that this phase of the Marvel universe is kind of topping out a little bit, because there were some lower level ones, not bad movies necessarily. The only one again that I could say I didn't like, and I would probably rate that as a low Jaws 3, was Eternals. Uh, I still enjoyed Shang-Chi. Uh, I still enjoyed The Black Widow. I still enjoyed uh, Multiverse of Madness and Ragnarok, not Ragnarok, uh, Love and Thunder. I enjoyed all of them. Uh, but I don't know if they were up to quite the level of what we previously got in these phases. Uh, to me, the highlights of this phase have been No Way Home and this one. Uh, by far, uh, but it it fills me with you know good feelings for what is to come. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm happy about that. Uh, so that's it for Guardians Volume Three. But before we jump off, if anybody was watching this and was really interested in the character of Adam Warlock, you may want to seek out my friend Al Sedano. Al, what can they find Hi. you on? Resurrections and Adam Warlock and Thanos podcast. Uh, just type in Adam Warlock or, or Thanos, whatever podcatcher you use. We're pretty much all the first thing that pops up. Or just go to our page, resurrectionsadamwarlock.tumblr.com or on Twitter at Adam Thanos Pod. And that show pretty much covers from the creation of Adam Warlock in the, when he was known as him in the 1960s and brings you through uh, a whole ton of appearances and still working its way forward on that but in the meanwhile there's uh, every once in a while it, it it's veered off and had uh you know more current books where he's appearing or thanos is appearing so i i highly recommend that you listen to that one because there's a lot of good stuff in there and i think i even have been on it once or twice so how could you go wrong exactly so thank you everybody thank you guys for coming on and uh, thank we'll you. catch you next time You still have a purpose here. A purpose for what? They made us for nothing. This stupid experiments to be thrown away. There are the hands that need us, and then there are the hands that guide the hands. My beloved raccoon, the story has been yours all along. You just didn't know it. I'm not a raccoon. The passkey is going through.